And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted small business advocate, educator, bookkeeper, all things admin. I I love small business. My regular listeners will know that. And today's uh, guest is going to empower us with some fantastic knowledge in relation to consultants. Now, let's have a little bit of think about where consultants sit with our our small business lives. We ourselves could be a consultant. I know that in this particular area of Sydney, we've got a large uh, factor of consultants compared to other types of businesses. And I think all around Sydney, we are seeing a change in the workforce and we're seeing a change in the way people uh, live and, and work in the areas in which they exist. So I think what's interesting to note here is that we could become consultants at any point in time. Let's face it, redundancies are pretty commonplace. I was just talking to someone the other day about the fact that you just factor it in as an expected outcome when you have a job, is that at some point, if as the companies merge and, and change, you're going to be made redundant. And a lot of people in that instance actually think about becoming consultants. So where does that place you as a consultant starting your own business and how do you interact with other consultants? When we operate as a business owner, we need the help of others. And I think everyone, um, all of my regular listeners would know that you've engaged with someone, might be helping you with your social media strategy. It might be someone who's literally your accountant or a professional. It could be someone who is just popping in every now and again and helping you with your admin. All of these people are consultants. And that relationship between you and the other consultant or you as a business and a consultant is very, very important. It's important to understand what that relationship is. It's important not necessarily from a legal standpoint and compliance. We talk a lot about that on the show, but actually how to build that relationship. And today we've got um, we've got John popping into the program today. And uh, John's going to give us a little bit of knowledge and expertise in his background. His uh, company is known as Find a Consultant. You can find them online, of course. And John has many, many years working with and bringing consultants together. So welcome to the program, John. Thanks for coming. Yes, thank you very much, Alexia. Um, look, it's it's an interesting subject, isn't it? Because I think at some point in our professional lives, we will all either be consultants or interact with or, or be touched with uh, consultants. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, 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 I certainly would. I mean, we are, I mean, the world is naturally consultative these days. You know, we collaborate, you know, the only way we can grow our businesses, expand our horizons is by collaborating with people. Mm. And the best way to collaborate with people is in a consultative way. And we're certainly getting better at understanding our limitations, I think. I think we're getting better at that. We don't try and, you know, that whole thing about wearing all those hats, um, there's now, that's now discouraged, isn't it? It, it, it is, but it's... For some people, it's so hard to give up all those hats. So, mm, mm. Yeah, very much so. And so in the consulting world, um, it's do people have different roles within that world? Do you find that the people that you engage with, you've got people who have been there for decades, you've got some people who are coming straight out of the workforce. How does it interact? Okay, the, yeah, we have people, as you uh, alluded to a few minutes ago, you know, who have been retrenched, been made redundant, and they stick up the shingle and say, hi, I'm a consultant, here I am, you know, come and work with me. Mm. Um, and then on the other hand, we have, you know, we have a lot of long-termers. Mm. But within within the consulting ranks, we ha- there are five main roles. There is the coach, there is the expert, there is the facilitator, there is the mentor, and there is the trainer. And so some people just need a coach mm. who's going to get them fired up to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, other people need the expert who's expert in running a community radio station, for for example. Um, some people just want the facilitator that's going to come in and help facilitate a, maybe a major decision. Mm. Um, 
then what was my next one? Sorry, the, men, the mentor. The mentor is a really special role, and I think probably the best consultants, the most effective consultants, are very mentor oriented, and that is where they pass their subject matter expertise to the mentee. So you're in community radio, you know, so I'm sitting here, I don't know anything about community radio, you would mentor me how to work the desk that I can currently see the back of. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I mentor consultants to become consultants, mm-hmm. and that draws on 37 years of being a consultant. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, there's the trainer. There is the expectation that consultants will train. It's a little trick of the trade. Um, you might care to add training into your portfolio of services. But if you're going to be, if, if you're going to be a serious trainer, then you go and do your cert for. Is this one of those questions where you're expected or part of your business plan might be to niche in one of those particular areas? Or do we, if you're a consultant, should you be considering doing all of them? No, you, you, you typically, it would be two, right? It would be two of those. So a coach might also be a trainer. Might also be a trainer, Or yeah. a mentor might also be an expert. Absolutely, yeah. The yeah. expert figures in most of them. The yeah. facilitator is probably the one that can stand on its own, right? Where you just bring a facilitator in. The last facilitator I ever worked for was refereeing a major IT decision. He didn't need to know anything about the two systems. He just needed to bring the two groups in the room to to agree on which one that the the, um, the company was going to invest in. So you don't necessarily have to be an expert in the field. Not it's just a, about collaboration and bringing yeah, people together. Not, not as a, a pure... To see a pure facilitator at work is absolutely mind-blowing. Right? It, They're very it, zen. It, 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 it is. It's amazing, right? Um, you used the word niche there. The, my favourite word is the word distinctive. It's a very crowded marketplace. I mean, I've got over, uh, I think the last census, not the one just finished, but the one before, you know, over 30,000 people have said that they were consultants on their form. I've got a database of 5,000 consultants with websites. It's extremely competitive. And so it's a matter of being distinctive mm. in what you do. And, and and that's interesting point there because I think um, personally from my journey with becoming an admin expert, if I just talk about that with Boyd Office Management Services, <gasps> proud supporters of Triple H. I'm not allowed to say my own name without saying I'm a supporter, which I am. But anyway, um, but with my journey, with my small business journey, I probably took about two years to really figure out what my niche was. Is that way too long? That, yeah. <laughs> That is certainly way too long. So you've got to figure it out quick. Is that part of the business planning right at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a great fan of business plans. Ah, Um, now that's an interesting uh, discussion. No, no. Um, When you're, you you know, you've got to get up and running quickly. I use the word rapid. Mm -hmm. So I have a rapid startup plan for people. We work out in between two and six hours precisely what you should be doing. What? Say that again. Two and six between hours. Two, between two and it takes two and six between two and six hours to determine what you should be taking to market as a consultant. So you take all of your skill set, all of your background, all of your knowledge, and you just niche it, distinct yeah. it, distinct, 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 distinct it. it. We, 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 we. Um, what do we do? We look at your skills, knowledge, and experience, mm. but also the insight you bring. So, so you're in admin. Yes. You know, what's happening in it? What's the future of business admin? What the apps right? that are happening? You what's, know, yeah, where are Are you looking movement? over the horizon like an, an over horizon radar? Mm. Right. So in, insight comes into it as well. That's but a really no. interesting thing because I, I always talk about people's journeys and I think, well, what, what do you bring with you? What skills from your corporate life, for example, yeah. you're taking with you to the small business setup? Yep. But I don't think about the insight that people bring no, with no, them. It's, it's the insight. 
it, it's such a crowded marketplace. Mm. Yes, you've got to be distinctive. You've got to stand out. And insight is one of those is is, is a factor, a component that that helps to make you stand out. You cannot be run. You cannot afford to be run of the mill. No, that's right. And you can't you can't afford to just be the same as your competitors. No. As part of your uh, the process of this doing this really quick setup, do you encourage people to obviously look at their direct competitors and see how no. they're displaying themselves? No, not at all. No, I we I just I just work with the individual or the individuals on what they bring. What's the reason for that? Is that because it puts people off or It's distracting. Yeah, hmm. you're, you're exactly right. I mean, we I say look, what is it that you bring to the table? Right, and that's a combination of um, what their clients might need. Mm -hmm. It's also a combination of what clients um, don't know that they need. You know, we all do stuff, and we've we've got clients out there. They don't really know that they need it. <laughs> they so don't know no, what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. That's right. So we work on. No, it's what the individual can bring to the client's table. That's a really interesting way of looking at it because I think that we have this sort of set up model, don't we? That we we have rammed down our throats, which is right. you look at your competitors. That's who's right. your ideal That's client? Right. What what oh, can you do? And it sounds to me like you sort of throw <clears> that process <throat> out the window. Absolutely. I mean, I put something on LinkedIn not that long ago. There's no such thing as an ideal client. It's a moving target, right? Good so point. it's a target client. Good point. And um, anybody who's been in business for more than a couple of years will know that, that your ideal client changes all the it time. It changes all the time, yeah. Yeah, so I focus on, it's very, you know, the old SWOT, you know, uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. It's very distracting. What is it? Consulting is all about personal relationships, right, consulting. So it's what you bring, Alexi, to the table. Mm. And I think that that uniqueness is sounds to me like it's really important not to forget. Otherwise, you're just finding yourself in a puzzle piece, just putting yourself in that puzzle of consultants, and really you're not that. You need to be more than that. Yeah, you need, you need to you be need yourself. To, you need, you've got to be yourself. And genuine. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be relevant. You've got to be distinctive. You've got to be genuine. So it sounds to me like you bring a lot of experience to the table. You mentioned that you've been working with consultants for 27 years. Tell me a little bit about your journey and, and your development to, that brought you into this quite unique space because you would facilitate anybody, anything, any business, any... It's kind of like being an accountant to all different types of businesses. Yes, That's what you, yeah, you are for yeah, consultants. Yeah. What led you to this? <clears throat> so what led me to it? I had... So my, my, origin, my background is IT. So I started off as a COBOL, a COBOL programmer. There I'm not be, even going to ask what that is. All right, is. there won't be too many listeners out there that <laughs> remember COBOL. Um, but it was the leading uh, programming language for business applications in its day. <clears throat> so I worked my way up the ranks from an, uh, you know, a graduate entrant up to management services manager in an industrial group looking after um, the IT, statistics, operations, research, organisation and methods, which not many... Oh, no, that sounds very exciting. ...which weird people remember. <laughs> and, and I'd exhausted the job. I mean, it was it was cycling around again. You know, we're going to build, put a new computer system in. And I looked around and um, I found an, found an industrial group that was creating an internal consulting practice that had enough of external consultants, you know, the Deloitte's, the PwC's, the Alexi Boyd's. <gasps> they had enough of those. You just put me in the same category as PwC. Did you all hear that? Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, we, we are in that same category. There's no question, right? Um, and so I joined an industrial group as an internal IT consultant, and we actually established a small consulting practice within a large industrial group. Wow. And it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. 
So they'd had, as you said, had enough with external people. Let's bring our yeah, internal experts that's together. Right. We, we correct. We all came in. We were all uh, three of us were new. Two already existed within that company, within that group, and that went gangbusters. <clears throat> but then, unfortunately, I was noticed by um, uh, Grant Thornton. You know the accountants and uh, short, uh, you know the accountants and advisors, and they approached me to join them. So I joined Grant Thornton as an IT consultant. Oh, moved <clears throat> when we came to Australia, joined Price Waterhouse. Price Waterhouse became Price Waterhouse Coopers. And then <clears throat> in um, 2000, I was tapped on the shoulder. Um, Price Waterhouse Coopers was going to spin off its consulting arm, right? It was going to be spun off globally 35,000 people, 3,500 people in Australia and New Zealand. And we were going to become an entity known as Monday. So they said that we were doing exactly what you had done previously within that. Small, within that other industrial company, yeah, an internal consultative. Yeah, well, no, it was an external consulting business, mm. but we were going to spin it off. It mm. was going to list globally. Oh, right. But IBM came along and purchased us. But as but as part of the preparing to in, in preparing to list, I was pulled out of the business to work on it to prepare it, and then that and then when IBM bought us, I stayed on in that back office role. Mm. Right. And then went out on my own doing what I'm doing, you know, consulting to consultants. And then find a consultant came along about three years ago um, when my joint venture partner coerced me to work with her to create this entity that we're, we're talking about today. And we all, as I said at the beginning of the program, we all deal with um, consultants in some way, shape or form. Uh, I, it's, a, it's almost a... They don't even talk about it in the, um, in the, the um, figures... What am I trying? The ABS figures. They don't even call it consultants. They call it professionals. That's right, professional technical service. Yeah, and I find that really yeah. quite an odd category yeah. because yeah. we in the business world are all saying consultants. It's okay. Yeah. We're all right with that. But they want to sort of recategorise that. Where do you think that comes from? <sighs> well, it is, consultants is rather an abused term. You know, we can be driving home tonight and we're behind a car, we'll, we'll be behind another car mm. that says beauty consultant in the back. Mm. You know, there's 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 so many people. You you deal with Telstra on the phone. One of our consultants will be with you shortly. True. You know, so the, the word has become... Uh, wishy-washy. Wishy-washy. Mm. Um, and what we're doing there, calling it professional technical services, is just aligning it with the standard industrial classification codes which exist globally. Mm. So it's it's a sort of a global... It's a bureau, bureaucratic identification. Oh, OK. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I always yeah. struggled with that term yeah. when I thought yeah. about it. I thought, they're just consultants. No, it comes from the SIC codes. OK. The SIC codes. Oh, OK. So yeah. there's a reason behind yeah, it. There is, there <laughs> there's is a reason a, for the madness. Unfortunately, there's a reason behind <laughs> it. <laughs> Look, um, we're here today with John from Find a Consultant. We're going to be back after this short break on Small Biz Matters. We're going to talk a little bit more about finding your ideal consultant Consultant and how to engage with it and how to engage with one another. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. So um, today we are talking to John all about um, consultants and uh, the, the position that we that we sit in within the, the business world, um, particularly in small business. There's a lot of people out there who have obviously moved from the corporate world into consulting. That transition just before the break, we were talking a little bit about how to determine what your market may be, what you, how you want to define yourself, and th making sure that you're quite distinctive. You mentioned that that's, that's really, a, really important. Fundamental. So you can't just walk into the world and go, "No, I'm an accountant." No, they, they, I mean people just stick the shingle up and expect people to come. Yeah. And when they go into, you know, I look at their websites, I look at their LinkedIn profile, I say, "Well, what does you know what does so and so do?" And the wishy washy sentences, yeah. Yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, those sort of pie in the sky, high cloud thinking, yep. all that blue yep. sky. Th yep. I don't even come and say the words, but no. it's it's that 
undefined uh, wishy. Yeah, I can't even. Yeah, it's yeah. really just sort of not. It's not making any distinctive points about what it is that you do. Absolutely. And yeah. so one of those processes needs to be taking, yeah. teasing out what it yeah. is that you're good at. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, a couple of stats actually have come to mind. I mean, one in five. Uh, sole practitioners, so sole trader consultants, one-man bands, fail a year, disappear every year. Just in, within one year? Within one year. Right? Wow. And when it comes to larger groupings, it's one in 20. Mm. So, you know, a few people get together, one in 20 of those disappear. Are you saying that it's uh, you've got a little bit more protection when you're doing a, a group of consultants rather no. than a singular? No, no, no. You've got to be, if you're starting out with a group, mm. you've got to be extremely confident that the three or four of you can get on together. It's, um, I was going to say, say it, worse than a marriage. <laughs> or anybody right? watching Survivor at the moment will probably know a little right. bit about the politics of working together okay. as a team. <laughs> no, it's, it's um, I, yeah, I get people on my courses and workshops and, we're gonna, and I, you know, my eyebrows raise and people... Yeah, it's 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 not good. So you've got it's that added good. difficulty of having to know that you've got to work well with this person. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. let's face it, when yeah. you're working in a team, you're probably going to spend more time with those people than you are with your own family. You are, you are certainly going to be doing that. Mm. What what people don't do when there's two or three of them, they don't clearly um, apportion the time across uh, their time uh, across marketing, selling, and doing. Well, I was going to ask that actually yeah. because that's set up for a group of consultants coming together. Yeah. That's quite crucial. How much um, time do you think should be allocated to setting up and p making that process happen? Or is I've, it a moving I've, process? I, it's, it's, I've got no answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got nothing. It's as much time as needed to get some, you know, some revenue in the door. But once they're going, if there's like three people, you can't have all of them marketing, all of them selling, all of them doing. Okay. You need to be clear on who is doing what. They all may do a component of that, mm -hmm. but not everybody is equally balanced across the, all three. And not everybody is a seller and can talk about the That's business right. comfortably. Right. I right. was actually speaking to um, a gentleman a couple of weeks ago at a meeting where he was explaining he'd had 30 years working in the video production business yep. and he had a partnership with someone yep. and it worked because he was the business development guy and the other guy was the creative. He was the creative. He was the doer. Mm. The Is that doer. a? Yeah. Do you think that's a good yin and yang, left brain, right brain relationship? It can be, but I mean both of you. Yeah, but then when you get to the end of the year and look at what you've earned, and if maybe you're doing a bit of a profit share, if the doer's done nearly all of the work, they've got to be really comfortable that the, the development person, you know, who's uh, generated all that work, has you know, has really done their thing properly. Can I ask that's a question right. with regards to the practicalities? I'm as a bookkeeper, I'm all about keeping lists and yep. spreadsheets and knowing what's happening and who's doing what. Would you suggest right from the beginning setting up a bit of a timesheet? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And yeah. where it's described yeah. what it is that each of yeah. you is doing? But, but before you get to that, a portion time mm -hmm. across those five, those three main activities, there are others as well, but let's just concentrate on the easy three, mm -hmm. which is marketing, selling and doing. And going back to your comment about being a seller, in consulting, if you can market you, you have to be able to market extremely well and the selling can you can all, you just explain to me what the difference is there because i always struggle with the whole marketing versus sales so in your mind where do you see the difference okay marketing is getting people interested in what you do mm -hmm. and getting conversations started mm -hmm. and as those conversations proceed towards something quite concrete there's a project to be done that's when we move more into a selling mode mm -hmm. so it does it does morph right, from I see. marketing to selling but 
if you're doing that, if 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 that if if that first if that lead you know the lead-in conversation, if the marketing works, the selling almost becomes trans, you know, transparent. So the selling is the one-on-one having a conversation about what the project is going to be. When we get to that point, yeah, mm, yeah, mm. yeah, and the and and the best-selling conversation is is fired is where the client or call them at this point the prospect they're not the client yet is where the prospect has a brief for what needs to be done that actually brings me around quite nicely to my next point which is what's the best way as an external person to engage with a consultant okay well quite a broad question yeah no it's a good question first of all the sixty-four thousand dollar question why do you need a consultant really challenge yourself as to whether or not you do need somebody mm-hmm. or whether you're just piking out on doing something that you don't really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing is that is certainly prepare a brief. What is it you believe needs to be done, right? That we'll go back. We'll use business plans as an example. You know, you... Oh, that's not maybe not a good example. No, we use business plans, yeah. So you want a business plan done and you want to work with... You, your thinking is you want to work with somebody that's uh, across, you know, up-to-date methods and styles and structures of business plans, Mm -hmm. okay? And so you prepare a brief for what you want, clearly describe what you want, and then go out and start talking to consultants, right? Simple as that. Simple as that, but have an end product in mind. What is it that Uh, you want them to achieve? Yeah, be very clear on what you think the outcomes are, but as as you talk to the consultants... Listen very carefully. Be prepared to debate your needs because you may get, and if I come back to the insight word, you may get some fresh insights into your problem that's, that's caused you to start the conversation. That's right. right. And I think that what, one of the ways that we fail a lot as small business owners is we, we're experts in our own field, yep. but we don't necessarily listen to the consultants who are experts in their field. No, that's right. That's right. And it's important to uh, yeah insight thing you keep coming yeah, the back insight to insight comes yeah. you know, so as you you know you've you've written you've you know you've done you've put a brief thing you know, we've got a script here you've written the script this is what you think you want but as you talk to somebody who's out there doing that activity day in day out mm-hmm. right you will get some fresh insight onto what your problem is with relation to the um, relationship with people would you always expect for them to have some sort of an engagement letter oh absolutely. Definitely, definitely. And how do how do definitely. you as a consultant find a good engagement letter? Uh, well, there's a common structure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I can picture it. I've got my eyes shut and I can sort of picture it, but I can't reel it off. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, no, I can't reel things off without the crib sheet. In yeah, front of, it's a few pages. It's a few pages long. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there is a standard structure. Um, it starts. It's classically, um, you know, you know, our understand. You know, your needs. Mm-hmm. So that. Where there isn't a brief, the consultant has to come in and construct the brief. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the brief goes back to the client, in the prospect, sorry, goes back to the prospect as a section called, it used to be called, our understanding of your requirements. Um, it's better to say your needs because you told them to me, mm. right? So your needs and then your approach on how you're going to solve them, um, you know, so your methods, your ways, uh, Fees and expenses, terms and conditions, your experience, your expertise. So thinking about the practical side of things, you go out there, you've got an idea in your mind of what you want to achieve and then you find the right person and then you meet with them and discuss what it is and they'll come back to you with some sort of documented... There has to be a formal document. There Mm -hmm. has to be a letter. There has to be terms and conditions. As it was put to me years ago at Grant Thornton, look, you know, 
This is what we're going to end up in court over if it goes pear-shaped. I mean, it very rarely goes very rarely goes pear-shaped. There has to be a contract, mm -hmm. right? And the contract is that consultant's letter. In a larger company, you know, if we were consulting to, um, you know, a Qantas or a, you know, a council or something, that, that you know, they'll have what's known as consultancy services agreements, CSAs, and therefore you work largely underneath their CSA. But when you're on your own, you know, you're putting a, a proposal out to Repco next, oh, not Repco, um, a small local business in, in this Hornsby area, mm -hmm. it'll be your letter, which is the contract, and you will need good terms and conditions. I mean, I sat with somebody yesterday who did, does not have good terms and conditions, and he is currently owned, and I just about fell off my chair, $40,000 oh, by a client. Yeah, exactly, by a client. And I've got to work out a way of getting, well, I've, I've got to, yeah, I've got to get him out of the hole. Yeah, yeah, and that is that is a good point. We've, we've had a couple of experts come on the show talk about debt recovery, mm -hmm. and those agreements in the beginning are crucial. Absolutely crucial, yeah, yeah. So your the proposal letter that the consultant gives to the client, the prospect, has to be as detailed as it can be as to what needs to be done and how it will be done. Okay, and it could be also including things like payment terms. It will include payment terms. Um, and what the expectation is. Yep. Just on a side of that, because you're working with so many consultants yep. out there in the community, what are your thoughts on um, this notion that having uh, a two-week turnaround, a compulsory two-week turnaround for invoice payments across the board? Because I know they've introduced that in a couple of countries in Europe, for example. Wouldn't it be great if we could um, legislate mm. payments... <laughs> Wouldn't that, would, in your mind, would that speed up the economy and really help out consultants out there? It would speed there? up. I mean, I did some work for New South... I've, I've done one project for New South Wales government and they paid extremely promptly. You know, they've made this pledge, this very public pledge. Mm, they have. But I advocate seven days. Yeah, not 14. Nope. No. Seven. Yeah. Seven. And I think... Um, Government certainly is getting yeah. better, and they are the, yeah. one of the biggest, obviously, payers of, of bills. Yeah. Yeah. But um, wh why not? Why not bring it in for, across the board? Why not yeah. legislate yeah. it so that every company has to pay everyone by two weeks, and then you have a right to charge interest? Absolutely, that yeah. would be great. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, did government give it. I think did government. No, it's okay. Oh, they talked about it. They were going to give a disc. They were. They talk about it. They yeah, talk about trying yeah. to... I remember John Barillaro made a statement last year and said, um, we strongly encourage people because it's important for small business. We strongly encourage that businesses are, are paid promptly, mm. um, preferably within a certain period. So, and that was all just talk. Yeah. Because they can't do it unless they have it across all states. It needs to be at a federal level and there's okay. just no impetus okay. for that to happen, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked for very big names who have, who have paid seven days. They say, look, we, rec we acknowledge you're working for us close to full time. Mm. We acknowledge this is your wage. Mm. We will pay you weekly. Another question for you. Um, are consultants in general aware of what's happening with super regulations and the movement that they need to start receiving and collecting super and giving no. their super details out? No. I know it's inter it's you, interesting. You caught me out as well. No, no. I think I, I think <laughs> it's it's something that not a lot of consultants are aware of, and you have to do that consulting uh, consultant versus employee contractor versus, oh, contractor employee, versus tool. employee tool. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. really important yeah. to make. It is. It is. I want everyone to go away and think about whether or not they would be considered an employee for superannuation reasons, yes. Yes. Um, and conduct yeah. that tool for themselves yeah. because. But that's a difficult discussion to have with a potential client isn't it you can't say oh listen i need you to pay 9.5 percent super here's my superannuation fund and you need to pay it separately into that super fund no. is that a really good it, way to lose clients it, I, I, that's the first i've heard of it mm. if that's going to happen that's going to be a nightmare 
Mm. I, I, that's is, is that legislated or it's or they're talking about it? Look, it's a grey area. Um, and and it depends who you speak to. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, I have a video production company that I've worked with who didn't realise that they had to pay their consultants, meaning all of their post-production personnel, their cameramen, anybody providing them with a service, mm-hmm. they needed to pay their super and they had to back pay it for 12 months. So to the tune of about $5,500, they needed to back pay all the super. And I think the really tricky thing is they don't realise that you can't just pay it as part of the invoice it needs to be paid directly to the to super, super fund, fund yeah. through yeah. A, a clearing uh, house. As, as it would be as an employee. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think that the government's been quite um, wishy-washy in this and they haven't really rolled it out comprehensively and made it very clear. And first they said, well, first you need to determine if they're an employee and if they're an employee, bring them on. And now they're saying, well, all consultants need to be paid super or contractors need to be paid super, regardless of whether they're an employee or not. Yep. So I've, I find it confusing. That's a nice... That's yeah. A, look, every day is a school day. I hadn't heard any of that. That's kind of, That would be a nightmare. Mm, mm, if, it, if they bring it across brought, the board. If that was brought in. Yeah. Yep. Um, and also, what what's the knowledge behind consultants and GST and, and how much they, they know in relation to whether they should be charging GST. No, that, that's, that's pretty clear. Yeah. That's pretty clear. So that's taken 10 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might take another 10 years before yeah. we get super no, figured out. But it's important, isn't it? As yeah. consultants, you need to remember to pay your own super. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always recommend to people to go to the end of the quarter and look at what they've earned yeah. and then bung yeah. 10% into their yeah. super fund. Yeah. And some forget that when they were in the, the you know, the company's super fund, they mm. may have also had a certain level of you know personal insurances yes sometimes that goes yes when they cease employment yes that's right you know, and they've got to put that back in that's you know, right they've got to pay that uh, they've got to take out separate policies for that and there are insurances yeah. that are based on a percentage of what you earned as a payg yeah. person but if you're not receiving payg anymore you're not actually covered yep. yeah good a good and a good opportunity to talk to your insurance broker i think it's probably yes, one of those no, processes isn't need, it no you know we all need other advisors and a broker is on my list <laughs> a broker, yeah, an insurance yeah, definitely, broker. Definitely. Yeah, yeah as definitely. a good consultant. Yeah. Who's niched, not yeah, niched. Yeah, no. Distincted, Distinct. distincted well, what no. it is that they want to do. <laughs> so um, we've talked a little bit about the structure of, of dealing with uh, consultants and ma- the insurance, making sure that there is some documentation there Absolutely. to back everything Absolutely. up, especially in relation to payments. Yep. Uh, would you say to small businesses, if they had a consultant who approached them and didn't have any contract, that they should run a mile? Uh, yes. It just means that they haven't been sort of set up properly and they're Absolutely. not legitimate. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But I, I mean, yeah. I know a lot of small businesses out there who don't. No. It, it, it's got, you're inviting somebody in mm. to do something that typically is um, uh, significant, mm. business changing. Mm-hmm. You know, Probably we, confidentiality you know, implications. Yeah. You've, you've, you've um, focused on payment, but I mean, there's also the issue of intellectual property. Yes. Is, is, a, is another big one. Yes. Because you know, the consultant brings in their IP. Right, they will working with the client with the now with the when they start working with the client, they will be develop where they will be developing fresh IP, mm-hmm. and their terms and conditions need to make it clear as to who owns the IP. Yes, right, that's created. Right, um, I and mean, that's probably a bigger issue, perhaps than payment terms. So, if yeah. you're paying for IP, there's not a blanket rule that says if you've paid for it, you own it. No, well. Um, Mm, Again, an engagement letter would cover that, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, the the standard terms and conditions for a consulting engagement letter would be that the consultant owns the IP. 
Right. Right. The, if the, they had the letter. Yeah. yeah. yeah Where's a good yeah, place for people to yeah, find yeah. A, a good template for those sort of things? There, there isn't. You need to talk. You, you, if, if, if. In a past life, you were a consultant mm -hmm. working for one of the large firms. Mm -hmm. Then you, you, you know, you've got the T's and C's that they used. Mm -hmm. They will be extremely complex. Mm. Um, there used to be a place in the UK you could go and buy them, but you can't go and buy them. Mm. Uh, I mean, we all we all draw upon ones that we have seen from larger consulting firms. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all just sort of brought together from what your previous experiences. Yeah. Do not. There are not many lawyers, solicitors, lawyers out there that understand consulting uh, contracts. I know of one person whose lawyer thought, oh, it's labour hire. And the, every time she puts her engagement letter with these labour hire oriented T's and C's, to terms and conditions to the prospect, the prospect runs a mile and puts them to their lawyer to be reviewed. Right. So really, yeah. people should be engaging with a good um, a good lawyer to help them draft up these contracts in the first place. You'd need, yeah, you need a lawyer that really understands consulting contracts, mm -hmm. right? You, you, I would put it to them very directly. Yeah. Have right. you worked with consultants yeah. in yeah. the past? But if you can get your hands on, legitimately, a proposal letter from, from an existing consultant, then that, will, that has terms and conditions attached, that will get you off to a start. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. don't engage with anyone without one, right? Absolutely not. No, it's a good point. Not. I'm just th I'm mentally yeah. thinking of yeah. a couple of consultants I've engaged with recently that don't yeah. have one. I'm thinking, oh, no, yeah, intellectual no, property no. issues and that you're sort of stuff. Wide, you're completely wide open. Yeah, we don't, um, you know, small businesses lease vehicles. We don't lease vehicles without contracts. No. And, and, and that's less business changing than having a consultant in. Yes, very true. Right? It's just a vehicle. It's just a vehicle. Well, <laughs> unless it's your mobile coffee shop or something. Yes. Know, but it's just a blooming vehicle. Indeed. Yeah. There's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of issues that we've raised yeah. there in relation yeah. to making sure that you're set up and everything's structured well before you, you go to market. Yeah. Very Absolutely. important. Um, you've been listening to Small Biz Matters. We're just going to take a short break again. John's here for everyone who's yeah. just tuned in. John's yeah. here from Find a Consultant, and he's helping us with understanding the relationships between businesses and consultants and with one another. How important is networking? N yeah, okay. Uh, networking is extremely important, <clears throat> but you've got to go to the right networking events. Good point. Right. You you know, you don't want to go to those networking events where it's full of other tragics trying to hear you up. You've got to go to networking events where you're going to find targets who you'll turn into prospects, who you will turn into clients. What's your You've thought on the ones? What's your thought on the ones where you have to fork out a fortune to become a member? I'm not going to mention what uh, their name is. Do you think do, they're worth it? No. Interesting. No. Go, make your own call. Normally, they'll let you go once or twice for free, mm -hmm. and then make your call. Typically, in those groups, you know, you've got the printer, the solicitor, the, the bookkeeper, the accountant, mm. whatever, whatever, the gardener, whatever. Normally, we've we've already got those people in our networks, right? We've already got them. We don't need another printer, another solicitor, another gardener, another bookkeeper. Dare I say? It. Sorry, Alexi. <laughs> you know, we just don't need it. So that and. Those connections already exist. Yeah, you've got those connections mm. already, or you should have. Mm. Yeah, and wor yeah. I guess work the yeah. ones you've already got. Work the ones you've already got, mm. yeah, cross, mm. you know, definitely. So just before the break, we were talking a little about the importance of having uh, a really solid contract when you go out into the consulting world and you start um, interrelating with other businesses and other consultants and when you're providing them with work. Um, and also a little bit about the 
the best method with which to brief a consultant mm-hmm. um, and some uh, forward thinking and what to listen to when you're when you're having that conversation, that engagement conversation with them. Just while I think of it, if anybody is just tuning in now, it's been a great show. Make sure you check out the blogs and podcast page on our website because it'll all be available there in the next week or two. Now, um, we talked a little bit beforehand with those contracts about payment um, terms and IP, okay. but um, you mentioned the importance in the break about the, insur- the importance of having the right insurance it, it is important to have the right insurances. You will need professional indemnity insurance and you will need, um, what is it, personal Pu- public liability? Public liability. Public liability. I always get it wrong. Pu- public liability Can insurance. you just remind our listeners what the differences are? Well, public liability is to protect Alexi here uh, when I trip over the microphone lead and, um, you, know, break, you know, break my arm. Uh-huh. So that's public liability. Mm-hmm. Um, professional indemnity is where you're, you're indemnified against your client coming after you if the project has gone wrong, it's cost them a lot of money, you know, as a result of the advice that you gave. Um, so that you're indemnified against that, okay. insured against that. And would you say it's crucial to have both? It is crucial. But there are very, very few, very, very few PI professional indemnity claims. It just doesn't happen. But if you want to work for government, councils, larger corporates as a consultant, you you need to have it. You just have to have it. And there's some professions where you actually have to have it in order to be part of the... um, Yeah, chartered professions. Mm -hmm. You know, the account, chartered accountants, chartered engineers Mm -hmm. have to have it. Master builders, I think they need to have them as well, all those sort of things. So it is very important to investigate. And who's the best person to check that out with? Insurance broker? Insurance broker, yeah, Mm. yeah. A good one. Have have a look around, though. I, I, I'm not allowed to name the name, but have a look around as to who is selling, um, who is doing PI and PL online. Okay. Okay. And another one you can yeah. ask for, of course, is to check with your professional association because they may have Yes, exactly. That's deals. a good point. Yeah, if you're in a professional association, they do have group mm, things, definitely. Mm. Most of them do, yes. Mm. Yes. But have a, have a squeeze around online as to somebody that's trading only online with those insurances. You might be surprised. What are the main points in a PI insurance policy? I hear about the 1 million, 5 million, 10 million. Do we really? You said that there weren't that many people making claims. Do we need They're not claimed on. It's become custom practice. I I had to raise my um, PI from 10 to 15. 10 to 15? Just to deliver deliver a workshop for one of our universities. So it's who the client is that expects it. Yeah, it's the client. They set that rule. I know, for example, when we were going for trade shows, we had to have 10 million for the trade show of PI. For the PL. For the PL, sorry. Yeah, sorry, PL, Yeah, the whole tripping over thing. Yeah, the whole tripping over thing. Somebody, you know, you you have a coffee machine on your stand and you burn their arm, you know, (laughs) you've got to be covered. Yes, yeah. It's a very um, legislative... No, it's, it, there's no... I mean, the difference between going from 10 to 15 wasn't, you know, was it a 50% increase no, in premium. It's... It was tiny, but nevertheless, I had to get the premium updated. Mm. And that was just to go and deliver a workshop. Wow, because it was at a large organisation like just, the university. It was just their rule. That, that was one of their business rules. So um, bringing it back around to your find a consultant yep. business, um, this is essentially a directory service... It's online because I'm, I'm always intrigued by these different ways of okay. delivering something. It, you can you can call it a directory. It's mm. it's but it's a private directory. Mm-hmm. You cannot go onto the findaconsultant.com.au website and see 
the consultants that are in the community that we've built. I see. Right? Other, I mean, our business is a lead generation business and lead generation for consultants is one of 60, six zero marketing techniques that you could use. So th that puts it in context. And so we built a, a screened and vetted community of consultants. So consultants apply mm -hmm. to become part of our community and we put them through a screening and vetting process, which involves me. It's, our business is only a two-person joint venture mm. and I look after the supply side, the consultant side predominantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the screening and vetting um, involves me communicating with two referees, mm -hmm. um, reviewing LinkedIn profiles, reviewing websites, and sometimes, it, and, and typically talking to the consultant to make sure that they're of the um, the, ilk. The, the, the ilk that we that we are trying to build. Mm. And what we're trying to build is the finest group of consultants that have, that have ever been assembled in this country. And it's a it's a pretty common. It's becoming more and more common that sort of template, that system of, of bringing people together um, in a in an environment where everyone can be trusted. Yeah, you can. So. So that's the supply. So that's how we build the supply side. So mm. as the buyer, yes, you. I hope we hope you can trust us for having done our homework in building that community, so that when our buyer comes onto our website, inputs their needs, that the match that happens will be a very very good match. Mm. I mean, we don't match everything that buyers ask for. If we have not got somebody, we say so. We're sorry. We can't help you with that. Mm. Right, and it's in. I guess a, as a consultant, that's another way that you can put on that um, being part of a group, whether it be a networking group or be part of an association. If you're part of a group similar to this, then yeah, you're opening you, your horizons yeah, again. Yeah, one, one, one or two do 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 quote it on their LinkedIn profiles. Yeah, mm. they're part of they're part of they are you know with us, and we have got a a brand and a reputation to protect we don't mind that so a big question for you to finish mm -hmm. up today if you had to choose between uh the way to get your consultancy practice out there and you had to choose between these what would you say would be the most important would you say it's online marketing it's your linkedin profile when i say online i mean your facebook and your website your linkedin profile or face-to-face -face meetings what do you think is the most important out of those three well it's all three no, I want you to choose. I know. Oh. <laughs> well, you've got to get... It, it's got to... Well, at the end of the day, it's got to be the face-to-face -face meeting. But, yeah, it's, it's, you've got you've got to get the face-to-face -face meeting. Mm. Right? You know, the buyer needs to know... The, the, you know the, the person needing the consulting help needs to know you're there. You know, so they will be informed through, you know, website and uh, LinkedIn profile. That's but right. No, you've got to get the meeting. And that relationship yeah. building is yeah. so important, and, isn't and it? And then you start to build the relationship, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Look, thank you so much for coming well, on the show you. today, John. It's been very fascinating. We've thank been talking all about consultants <laughs> and uh, we've been talking all about your expertise with uh, those relationships when you build them, the contracts that you need, um, the best practice for consultants when you're when you're out there uh, offering your services. And of course, a little bit about your business, Find a Consultant. Give us your website real quick. It's findaconsultant, all one word, dot com dot au. Awesome. Make sure you check that out as well. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening to Small Biz Matters.